0: You're watching My Fellow Americans with your host, Spike Cohen. Yes!
1: Yes! Yes! Thank you so much! Keep clapping! Keep clapping! Clap for the miracle! Clap for the Texas miracle! How would we know that you wanted the Texas miracle if you didn't keep clapping? Welcome to My Fellow Americans. I am literally Spike Cohen. And I'm in Texas, y'all. I am so happy to be here in beautiful Brenham, Texas. Let me make sure. I think my microphone might be a little loud. Yeah, it might be a little loud. Okay, this is probably going to be a lot less brutal to everyone's ears now. Folks, I'm so happy to be here in beautiful Brenham, Texas. We just had a fantastic event uh, with the folks here with Libertarian Party of Texas. And I'd like to thank, of course, uh, Andrew and the Amelang family for hosting uh, me here at Alco Panover. In fact, let me just show real quick, we got a, a beautiful audience here, but thank you to Andrew for hosting us. And, uh, and thank you to everyone here uh, at, uh, with LP Texas who has been helpful in this. And uh, we're about to have a really fun time tonight. This, of course, is a Muddy Waters Media production. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, on YouTube, on Instagram, on Anchor, on Twitter, Periscope, iTunes, Google Play, Float, Twitch. I think we're on Discord now. Check us out everywhere, everywhere that's on social media. Check out Muddy Waters Media today. Be sure to like us. Be sure to follow us. Subscribe to us five star us, whatever system you are using, however they demonstrate following and or approval of us, be sure to do that. If you are on YouTube, be sure to click that bell so that you don't miss a single video. The last thing we want is for you and your closest loved ones to miss a roughly hour long libertarian podcast that's live. Be sure to give the gift of Spike Cohen today. Kids love it. This episode, of course, is brought to you by the Libertarian Dad Bod calendar featuring some of the sexiest Libertarian men to be both sexy and Libertarian at the same time. This is a perfect social distancing tool. If you want people to stay at least six feet away from you at all times, be sure to have one of these with you. You can get your own for only $12, including shipping, or a signed one for only $40, including shipping, if you go to LibertarianDadBod.com. Com. This episode is also brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest-growing waffle-related caucus in not just the Libertarian Party, but in any party, anywhere on this godforsaken country, this uh, God, uh, planet, actually. This episode is also brought to you by Black Organic Coffee, spelled B-L-V-C-K, because nothing means anything anymore. You can spell things however you want now. Go to Black Brews, B-L-V-C-K-Brews.com, to get the most delicious Cold brewed organic coffee to ever be misspelled. Use checkout code MW to get free shipping. And of course, this episode is brought to you by the Jorgensen Cohen 2020 campaign. <laughs> Joe Jorgensen and I are running on a platform of nothing less than setting America free in our times. And that we hope you that d- we hope that you join us. Uh, go to joe20.com. To find out more. Well, folks, again, I am here in beautiful Brenham, Texas. Uh, we just had a fantastic event. I'm off the bus, which is sad. Now Joe's back on the bus, uh, but we are finishing up this uh, this campaign strong. We're here in Texas. We're going to be going all over. We're going to be going to uh, all over Texas. We're going to be going to. Uh, Arkansas to campaign with Ricky Dale Harrington, who is looking increasingly likely to be the next senator of Arkansas, the first Libertarian Party senator uh, in in our party's history. Uh, I'm going to uh, a a debate party uh, in Indiana in a few days to, uh, for Donald Rainwater, who qualified for the debates, and increasingly increasingly looks like he will be. Uh, the first libertarian governor that we've ever had, uh, governor of Indiana. Uh, So I'm going to be all over. And uh, you can clap that. (laughs) Always clap. Never feel like you can't clap when I say something. Always feel like you can clap. Uh, So we're going to be all over the place. But I am here in beautiful Brenham, Texas, today. And we had a fantastic event. It has been amazing. And uh, we are uh, so as I do with any of these uh, events that I do, anytime I do my show, uh, I do a lot of Q and A. That's really what I'm here for. If I don't have a guest, I'm here to answer your questions. Uh, and of course, be uh, sure to ask any questions you have here in the comments. But I have a live studio audience for the first time, so I'm going to take, uh, if any of them have any questions, I'm going to take a few of their questions first, uh, and then I will. Uh, move to uh, to taking some questions from the uh, from the lovely viewers at home. So, does anyone here have a question they'd like to ask me? i got something. Okay. Janae, you have a question? Go um, ahead. So,
0: very simply, because I've got six kids and I need to explain on kid terms, why is
1: taxation taxed? So, that's great. So, on kid terms. Yes. So... Okay, on kid terms. Uh, so, like, waving your arms around and yelling about extortion, probably not the best. Okay. Right. I'm talking, like, uh, eight under. Okay. So, here's what I would say. And this is actually similar to what I say to adults, too. Um, so, here's something you can ask them. You can say, um, oh, and the, the, I just realized the muddy water. Here, move over a little bit here because the muddy water, the yeah. My Fellow Americans yeah, logo. Just so everyone can see who's asking. Hey, Janae. Uh, my, oh, okay. So, hey. hey so, Here's what I would say. Um I would ask your I would ask your students and your and your kids. You can say uh you can say something like for example, you can say is it okay to go to someone's house and hold a gun to their head and say I well should you say hold a gun to your head to an 8-year-old? Okay. So okay, let's just let's leave out the gun. Let's leave out yeah, the I gun. They, they go to someone's house I know, but that's yeah, – so uh, is it okay to go to someone's house and say, I'm going to make you give me all your money, uh, but I'm going to give some of it back to you if I decide that you need it? And I would imagine your kid's going to say, no, you can't. And you say, is it okay if you get a, a group of your friends together and knock on people's doors and go to their houses and say, give us your money and uh, and, and we're going to give you some of the money back if we think that you need it? They'll probably say, no, you can't do that. That's not right. Uh, And then you can say, okay, well, what if several thousand of you get together uh, and hire someone else to go on your behalf and say, give me all your money. And if you uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll give you we'll we'll give some of it back to you if you if you we decide you need it. And they'll probably still say no. And you can say that's what taxation is. Taxation is a system where we are told to vote for politicians who hire agents and officers to essentially force everyone to give them money. And then those same people decide what to give them back or what services to put that money into or what programs to spend it on or what other things to do that spend it on. Um, That is not just theft. It's actually a violent form of theft. It's extortion. It is theft under the threat of hurting someone. Um, so that's probably the best way to do it is actually distill it down into what it is, which is just a, a, a small handful, uh a small handful of people telling everyone else to give them their money. Um and then I guess an easier way to do it is if they're saying specifically why is it theft, you can say anything that you anything that you have to pay that you don't have an option not to pay. You can't not pay it. That is an act of theft. If someone says if you want to stay in my hotel, it's going to cost this much. You can choose not to pay it and not stay in that hotel. If someone says, if I make this chicken sandwich for you, it's going to cost you this much. And you say, no, I don't want to pay that. I I, I just don't, I'm not going to have that sandwich. I'll make my own. If you go to a store and they say, you know, this food is going to cost you this much. You can choose to buy food somewhere else or, or to grow your own food or whatever else. Everything else is a choice for you to do. The moment that it ceases to be a choice, uh, then you are now being robbed. It is now an act of theft. When you're talking to your kids, you're more than likely already talking to them about the beginnings of the ideas of things like bodily autonomy. That if someone's touching you in a way you don't like, they don't you don't have to let them touch you that way And to let people know that that's happening. If someone's trying to make you do something that you don't want to do, that you don't think is a good thing to do, you should let people know because you should be able to consent to everything that's happening taxation you can kind of work that in and, and you can do it in a pretty easy easy way this is a a example of someone trying to make you do something or trying to take something from you against your will and i, I think that's the best way to uh to deal with that with kids probably avoid the whole gun to your head thing because they're kids um you, might work in texas, but, you, know, you know what that's a good point used to that. that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point because it's texas you could start with that with the gun part um are there any other questions you got a question? Yeah, sure. This is a question from Billy, uh, Billy Pierce. Pierce, who is running to be the next theft assessor That's right. of, <laughs> of, 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 what, of what county? Harris County. Of Harris County. He is, if you live in Harris County, Texas, uh, uh, Billy Pierce is running to be the man to make sure that you are being robbed as little as possible. As little as possible. So, and, and as and fairly as possible. As fairly as possible, and also – to, one of his ideas is to have a complete freeze on any new tax assessments so that they can't take any more from you uh it, with the idea of possibly just freezing it for good
0: that's right so
1: that's right lock it in at whatever you paid for
0: your house and stop uh stop pretending uh, that, that the values go up uh when no
1: one's bought your house again. exactly exactly and what is your if someone wants to help you what's your website what's your social media uh, you can Cool. Very good. And what was your question? So, uh,
0: so I'm a veteran. Uh, you and I talked about that uh, today. Uh, I'm a veteran of a, of a, a war that I, I didn't really want to fight in, uh, but I found myself there and I fought in it. And uh, uh, when I came home, uh, I used the, vet, the VA system to try to, to try to repair some of the damage they did. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to tell you, it, it didn't work.
1: It just it, it wasn't a it wasn't a good product. Yeah.
0: They can uh, they can have some control over their lives back instead of having to go to the government that broke them to ask
1: will you please fix me? that's an excellent question Billy and uh i I'm not sure how well the mic's picking up so just in case you couldn't hear him um he was asking about uh getting uh, veterans the care that they that they need and, and deserve and have have earned and fought for um and he said that you know he has been having difficult he was he eventually his in fact didn't you tell me the VA actually told you? Yeah. We're not helping you. Just go get care somewhere yeah, stop else. Coming to us. We're making you worse. Yeah, I said, stop coming to us. We're making you worse, is what the VA said to him. Uh, our plan for the VA is very simple. Government-run health care doesn't work. And the VA is a perfect example of that. You have veterans who have gone and fought. They've come home. They were promised the care that they needed. And instead, they have to spend years, sometimes decades, proving their percent of disability before they can get the first bit of care, the first dollar spent caring for them, the first treatment or anything else. They often, in some states, there's only one VA center, so they have to travel sometimes several hours. Uh, I've talked to veterans who have had to travel five, six, seven hours to a VA hospital. They have to wait weeks, months, sometimes over a year for an appointment. And then often they are given substandard care after doing all that waiting. Um, And as a result of that, uh, we have a massive epidemic of veterans who are because of self medicating are often addicted to uh, to painkillers and opiates and and even heroin and other types of drugs we have very very high rates of untreated PTSD and depression among veterans uh, We have very very high rates of homelessness among veterans because they're not getting the care they need and it manifests into the rest of their life and their life gets destroyed as a result and we have a very, very high level of suicides among veterans that's happening as a result of that. Was it 23 veterans every day About killing themselves? Nine and a half times more likely to commit suicide than a civilian. Yeah, almost 10 times as likely as a civilian to commit suicide. This is a broken system. And what do you do with a broken government system? You completely dismantle it and you put the money back in the hands of the people who earned it. So our plan for the VA, scrap it. And put the money in the hands directly of veterans. Let veterans be able to get their own money that they earned. Given directly to them. in like a voucher type system or just a direct money payment system. And they can go and put that money into their own private insurance. Into their own health share systems. Into a health savings account or whatever else. So they can afford to get the care they need. Without any out of pocket expense. So they can go get care without having to spend years to prove that they need it without having to go hours, traveling hours, and waiting weeks and months for an appointment, without getting substandard care, they get the same kind of care that people with private insurance are able to get. Not only do they get the care they need, not only will we see less addiction and abuse and homelessness and suicide among veterans, not only will we not see as many veterans who are dealing with deep-seated issues that are only being made worse by them not being able to get the care that they need, But we'll save billions of dollars a year by switching to this. It'll actually cost less to just give them the money directly. It'll save taxpayers, including taxpayer veterans like Billy and all the other taxpayers out there that are veterans. It'll save us billions of dollars a year. That's our plan for the VA. What is your – any other questions? Go ahead. Um, So next weekend, I'm going to be a part of a clothing drive. Okay. Okay. What, yeah, what and what's that? What's that charity called? Well, it's,
0: it's uh, just a, a local group plus that came together. We're just um, got enough close to, to, for you know, I'm not sure what the, the
1: name of the, the group is that we're donating to, but, but we're donating to a local uh, group there. That's and- awesome, man. That is awesome that you're doing that. And uh, and so his question was basically, why is charity better than government programs? Um, so first of all. Charities and mutual aid societies have a vested interest in solving the actual problem, right? So a charity wants things to get better so that they can not have to do it anymore or start working on some other problem that exists. Mutual aid societies actually want to make it so that there's never any uh, poverty to begin with by creating a baseline for anyone that's a member of it uh, to be taken care of. Government programs, in contrast, have a vested interest in not fixing the problem and here's why if they fix the problem now they don't have a reason to exist anymore now this massive government leviathan that they've created has no reason to exist anymore all those people they've hired to be a part of the program have to go find something else to do all that money that they get apportioned to them in appropriated to them in in government spending deals and in the budgets That goes somewhere else. They lose everything. So they have a vested interest in two things. One, letting the problem continue to get worse. And two, presenting it as a problem of them not having enough money. So that they can every year say, we need more help. Because our programs, they don't say this, but our programs are failing. And so because their program sucks and doesn't work, whatever it is that their program exists for, all those things are getting worse. They do this with education. They do this with uh, you know, helping the homeless. They do this with housing. They do this with pretty much everything they get involved with, food uh, assistance and everything else. They go, there are more problems than there were when we started. Clearly, the problem is that we need more money. And they go to politicians and the politicians go, okay, we'll give you more money. They have a vested interest in it getting worse and in them being able to present it as them needing more money, whereas private charity and mutual aid societies don't want to have to even be dealing with this in the first place. They want to help people and then move on to whatever the next problem is or say, yay, we've solved all the world's problems. Now we can all just be happy together, but they don't want to, they don't have a vested interest in keeping it going. Let's also remember that the same government that takes, that gives to you had to take it away from you or someone else first. So when we have a system of taxation that not only is theft, but is a regressive theft because all taxation is regressive. Any taxes on even the wealthiest among us, any taxes even on big corporations, just get added as overhead to the price of the goods and services that they sell you, which means that whenever you are buying things, you are de facto paying those taxes, which means that a higher percent, whatever the higher a percent of your income that is being spent on just buying the things you need. In other words, the less money you make, the higher your de facto tax rate is. So charity from government, government programs, is the act of disproportionately taking from those with the least and then giving some of it back to them if they qualify and forcing them to go through a dehumanizing, embarrassing process of basically begging for some of their own money back. So that's why uh, charity and and mutual aid uh, because, uh, uh, unlike that charity and mutual aid are voluntarily funded, they ask people for help and people choose to give to them, which means they also have to prove value as well because they can't just rob everyone to pay for it. So these are just a few of the reasons why charity and mutual aid, uh, are the most effective way of doing things. Any other questions? If not, I will get started with our, um, with our audience at home and we have a ton of questions from them. We good? Okay, Cool. So we will get started with those questions. And uh and folks, be sure to I, I, I can't possibly uh get to all of the questions that are in uh uh that are here uh because and I love y'all. Um but I will get to as many as I possibly can. Um let's see here. Um just going through a lot of really Uh, Stacey Diaz asks, are you finally coming to Indiana? I've actually, I've been to Indiana. I was in, um, oh man, what's it called? Highland, Indiana, uh, a couple, Highland, Indiana, a couple of months ago. Uh, But yes, I will be there on the, I can tell you one second. Hold on one second. I can tell you live when I'm going to be there. Uh, It is on the... Why is that on on here? Uh, It is on the, I believe, the 23rd. It is a uh, but it's a watch party that I'm going to be at for the debates. Um, So stay tuned to my social media. It will be on there soon. But I believe it's the 20. Well, no, it's whatever the day of the debate is. So it's the 27th, 22nd for the Indiana debate. Indiana governor debate twenty twenty is going to be oh, there's two schedule no this is a governor debate oh. in Indiana yeah, yeah um yeah so it's going to be uh, on the twenty seventh and we just don't have that information yet but I will be there on the twenty seventh um. Uh, da, da, da. well, we've got a lot of really nice things, but, oh, uh, Adam Weggs, Hey man, how are you doing? Says, is this how all episodes will go from now on? At least while I'm on the trail campaigning, this is how all episodes will go. Uh, because I'm campaigning every day. Uh, eventually I'm going to, they will let me go home. Um, and when that happens, then I will, uh, I'll be doing it back from home. Um, let's see here uh someone asked about getting on Rogan uh the ball is in Joe Rogan's court uh we are we are would ha- be happy to go on we have been in talks with him uh if you feel the need to uh to reach out to him you are you are welcome to do so we have been in in ongoing talks and uh, as soon as Joe would like to have uh Joe Jorgensen or myself on uh we would be happy to go on um uh ta-ta-ta. um why can neocons never spell borders correctly? That's a good question. I don't know, because if you have, I mean, I'm not sure, so borders spell B-O-A-R-D-E-R. Um, I don't even know how a person who is a border could be open or closed. Maybe about themselves as a person? I don't know. Um, uh, let's see. Um, I'm just looking for question marks. Um Oh, here's one. What will libertarians do about Social Security and Medicare? That's a great question. Uh, We have seen uh, how what we warned about Social Security has come true in real time. Social Security is a Ponzi scheme, and it is working like a Ponzi scheme does, which means it eventually runs out of people's money and goes insolvent. Now, of course, if the government runs it, they just keep printing out more money to pay for it, which makes the cost of living go up because it's devaluing the currency we all use then then they got to give more money and it it actually gets much worse it ends up in a death spiral situation. Here is our plan for social security. We use uh a, our plan is uh, based on Cato Institute's 6.2% solution. Basically and it's a very it, there's a lot of moving parts to it but it's a great system. Here's the basics of it. If you're on social security, you will continue to receive it if you want to collect social security in the future and get its dismal half a percent to 1% yearly returns you can absolutely stay on it if you would like instead to take your money out and 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 pay your money directly into your own privately run retirement which on average gets around a 5 to 10% yearly return, which when you compound that means that you end up making several hundred times more than you would if you were on Social Security, you can do that. You can completely opt out of Social Security and instead put up to 6.2%, put 6.2% of your money up to whatever the cap is uh, into your own private retirement, which you can use whenever you want because it's your money. Now, when you do that, your employer, instead of having to match your social security, instead, they paste that that 6.2% into the social security system to keep it solvent. Now, you still are going to do way better because you're going to get, on average, anywhere from 10 to 20 times the yearly return. So you don't need that matching amount. You're going to still get way more than you would have in social security. That money that is going directly into the social security system That keeps it solvent because now, as more and more people opt out of Social Security and decide to just have their own retirement, and as more and more employers are paying into a system that fewer and fewer people are taking out from, that protects the people who are currently on it. And through attrition over time, as the number of people who are on Social Security goes down and more and more people are opting out, that 6.2% that the employers are having to pay can start going down to 5% to 4%, to 3%, to 2%, until eventually we've opted out of it completely. We've weaned ourselves off of it while protecting the people who are currently on it and allowing everyone else to invest their own money as they damn well see fit. With Medicare, it's a similar thing. We believe that the biggest problem with Medicare right now is that the cost of healthcare is so expensive not just for us paying out of pocket not just for those of us who have private insurance but also for medicare and medicaid we know that 3 quarters of every dollar that's being spent in on on uh, on healthcare is going to pay for the uh, all the red tape all the bureaucracy and the taxes and mandates that the uh, healthcare providers have to prove uh, de- they have to demonstrate their compliance with it's why when you go into a hospital and you see you know a couple of doctors three or four nurses and like a Two dozen administrators, not to mention the thousands of administrators that you don't see who are in insurance companies and various regulatory agencies at the local and state and federal level. That's before you get into things like patent protections for drugs that have been around for decades. That's before you get into ridiculous things like certificate of need laws, where large crony hospitals and medical centers are able to use the force of government to stop smaller competitors from being able to provide competing services. You get rid of all this stuff, the cost of healthcare drops massively. And that allows for programs like Medicare to remain solvent for quite some time. Similar to Social Security, we allow people to opt out of it and have their Medicare money be put their the their self-employment tax or their 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 Medicare tax be put into their own fund, their own health savings account, for them to be able to pay for their own health care. That, coupled with massively reducing the cost by getting government bureaucracy out of it, allows us to protect the people who are on Medicare and allow everyone else to opt out of it without having to raise people's taxes or even tax them at all. Um, let's see what else. Um, Uh, so someone asked, how does this party deal with communist China using slave labor, stealing technology, monopolizing the supply chain? We get rid of the regulations that caused all the jobs to move over there to begin with. Let's be very clear about why this is happening. Businesses didn't wake up one day and start saying, hey, I'm going to go make a bunch of jobs in a communist dictatorship that uses sweatshop labor. What happened was that crony businesses realized that the best way that they could shut out their smaller competitors is to rise this tide of regulations that eventually, they're up here, it chokes out their smaller competitors. It makes it increasingly unaffordable and therefore fiscally, uh, fiscally uh, uh, cost prohibitive to do business in America, to hire Americans, and to make things in America. They did that knowing that eventually it would reach the point that they themselves couldn't afford to do business here or to make things here or to hire Americans. And they were perfectly fine with that because they knew that they were the only people that could afford to spend the billions of dollars to move their base of operations to China and other foreign dictatorships and set up friendly relationships with those foreign countries and, uh, you know, set up these large sweatshop factories and everything else. And then use their contacts in government to make sure that the U.S. Navy, that the military protected their shipments back over here from pirates. This allowed them to create a system that harms you. Now, the problem here isn't trade because trade is the voluntary decision to trade with anyone that you want to in this country or outside of it. The problem here isn't trade. The problem is the regulations that made your labor and doing business here and making things here cost prohibitive so that by comparison, it's more affordable to do it over there. We get rid of those regulations. Not only do we deal with the communist China problem. Not only do we deal with the problem of foreign dictatorships becoming increasingly wealthy and powerful and able to be increasingly aggressive on the world stage and more brutal to the people that they uh, that they rule over. But it also deals with the economic problems here. It deals with all the job losses. It also uh, solves the poverty issue by allowing people to be able to get uh, uh, gainful employment. It deals with the wage uh, growth issue because as we increase the supply, as we reduce the supply of Americans looking for work and increase the demand for it, the value of that labor goes up. It deals with the environmental problem of an increasing number of the things that we buy being made on the other side of the planet and shipped back over here, which exponentially increases the carbon footprint of everything that we're buying. It solves so many problems by simply getting the government out of it. I know that might be a shock to hear, but government involvement has made things worse. We get government out of it. We allow the market to do its thing and good things happen as a result. The analogy I like to use is if I have a, uh, a, if there is a lemonade stand right in front of me, right here, okay, right here off camera, and they sell their lemonade for 10 cents a glass, and there's a lemonade stand a block down the road, or let's say two blocks down the road, and they sell their lemonade for 15 cents, it's going to make more sense for me to buy my lemonade right here for 10 cents than go over there for 15 cents. But if someone shows up, And forces this lemonade stand in front of me to do a bunch of things that uh, that make it cost more for them to provide that lemonade. Now that lemonade here costs twenty five cents. Now it makes sense for me to go over there and pay fifteen cents. Now this guy over here who just made that lemonade too expensive says, "I'm going to fix this. You need to make sure that you're buying lemonade in your own community." I'm going to a tariff on any lemonade that you buy outside of this one block radius. So he puts a 15 cent tariff on that lemonade or a 20 cent tariff on that lemonade. So now that lemonade over there is 35 cents. And he goes, I fixed this. No, he didn't. He made me spend more than three times as much for lemonade as I used to spend. And he's making it harder for people here to be able to sell their lemonade because it's more expensive to begin with. If that guy had simply minded his own damn business and let me buy the lemonade here, I would have never even gone over there in the first place. Or maybe I like the lemonade over there. And so I'm willing to pay the extra five cents more and go over there. It was none of his business to begin with. The vast majority of people are going to buy the lemonade right here because it's cheaper and they don't have to go as far. So you deregulate the job market, you deregulate the labor market, you deregulate the business environment in this country and make it more uh, uh, affordable and more desirable to do business here, make things here and hire here. The problem solves itself. Many problems solve themselves. Let's see. Um, Oh, yes. You ask questions in the comments right here. Uh, Any dates in Connecticut? I was actually just... um, um, just in uh in in Connecticut a, a couple weeks ago, um. You're in Iowa on the 22nd. That's correct. I am in Cedar Rapids, Iowa on the 22nd. Um, someone says I'll be there on the 20th. That I'm going to be in Indiana on the, the 20th. That could very well be true. Um. um bum, 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 bum. What's your opinion on the Bill of Rights? Do you think it's safe for the Feds to enforce uh, the Bill of Rights on the states? I know during the ratification, it was originally understood that it did not apply to the states and only the federal government. So, it depends on the rule. The uh, it depends on which rules uh, you're referencing, which amendments you're referencing in the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights generally is a declaration. Uh, of the uh, of uh, and it is not an enumeration of your rights just because your rights are listed there does not a right may not be listed there doesn't mean that you don't have it it means that these are the rights that are explicitly said these are limitations on government so for example with the Second Amendment, it says uh, a well-regulated militia being necessary for the uh, the, the security or defense, uh, uh, for, for uh, what, common defense, uh, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. It did not say just by the federal government. It did not say, of course, unless there's a crisis or something like that. But it did not say that anyone could Im- could infringe upon it. It didn't even say private actors could infringe upon it. It said your right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That means no one should be infringing upon it. Yes, we believe that the federal government's only role in enforcement when it comes to law enforcement is to enforce your rights as enshrined under the Bill of Rights on any actor that would try to violate it. In other words, when other governments try to do it. So. The purpose of the Department of Justice should be as a Department of Actual Justice, not this trickle-down enforcement uh, uh, program that, that creates centrally planned systems of theft and caging for the states and local municipalities to, to use, just the opposite. The only purpose of that organization should be looking for examples of state and county and city and municipal governments, in, as well as the federal government, infringing on the lives, rights, and property of the people where, therein. And going against, going and and taking action against those who are infringing upon your rights. That should really be the only way that the government is, federal government is interacting with you is making sure uh, that the that no one is harming your rights, especially uh, state actors, state and, and municipal actors. Because if you are to be gov- if you are to be a government within the the framework of the United States, then the Constitution is the prime law clearly, and the Constitution is very clear. Your right to Peacefully assembled shall not be infringed. Your right to seek uh, redress against Cong- Congress uh, or against the against the government. Your right to uh, to free speech. Your right to uh, freedom of expression. Your right to due process. Your right to be safe and secure in your person and your home and your effects, which includes your vehicle, shall not be infringed. Your right to keep and bear armed bear arms shall not be infringed. Your right to Uh, habeas corpus shall not be infringed um so uh yes we believe that that is what the fed should be doing Uh, um why do you think many libertarians such as greg gutfield glenn beck dave rubin etc have vouched for trump and not joe because they're conservatives they're not libertarians um they may call themselves libertarians uh anyone who looks at donald trump's record Uh, and concludes that that's something they should vote for, there are many words to describe them ideologically. Libertarian is not one of them. Donald Trump has run up more debt in one term than any other president before him, including some that took two terms to run up their records. Uh, Barack Obama, I did not think someone would be able to surpass Barack Obama's record. Donald Trump did it in four years, not even four years. He's trying to run up yet one more multi-trillion dollar uh, big crony bailout before the end of the year. Uh, he is on track to spend ten trillion dollars this year, which is more than double what Barack Obama ever spent in a single year. Uh, he said that he would protect our right to keep and bear arms. Instead, he has passed more gun control regulations and executive orders than the last five presidents before him. He said that he would send, he would end the wars overseas and bring the troops home. And instead, he has more troops overseas now than there were when he got into office. He talks about the ones that he brought home. What he doesn't say is that he was the one that sent them there to begin with. He did the surges, then brought some of them home. There are more, there's a net increase in the number of troops that are there from when he got into office. Uh... I mean, pretty much anything he said he was going to do, he said he was going to cut taxes. Once you factor in his his failed war, his his failed tariff war, uh, the average American family is spending 23% more on taxes than they were when he got into office. And the lower your income is, the higher that percentage, because a tariff is a sales tax that you pay when you buy stuff. So as we were saying, all taxation is regressive. Uh, This is a perfect example. If you're poorer, if you're below the poverty line, you're actually spending about 30% or more more than when Donald Trump came into office. Across the board, there are many ways to describe Donald Trump's uh, authoritarian term of office, uh, and libertarian is not one of them, so you'd have to ask them. Um, uh, And it's questionable whether they're actually conservatives too, but that's a whole other subject. Um... That was the same question. Um, I'm glad Joe will be on Kennedy Nation tomorrow. Why hasn't Joe been on many major media platforms like Gary Johnson was in 2016 or received as many endorsements? Well, she has received a lot of endorsements. Uh, We have been shut out by national media largely because they have a vested interest in keeping this system going. Be very clear about something. When you talk about cable media or radio media, you are talking about media that is owned in total by six multinational, multi-billion dollar companies. These companies do not primarily make money from media. Media is their propaganda outlet to get you to buy their stuff. That's the whole purpose of the media-driven pop culture in this country is consumerism for those six companies. Those six companies have a vested interest in keeping this crony corporate system going. If you want to show up and endorse a Democrat, they'll give you as much much attention as you want. If you want to go up on some of them and endorse a Republican or vouch for a Republican, they'll give you as much attention as you want. If you want to go up there and say that both parties are in on it, that this entire system is rigged, that you live under a oligarchy that robs you to uh, give to a lar- a small number of incredibly powerful and wealthy people, that both parties are in on it and that the only way to fix this is to dismantle their systems and put that power and freedom and money that they've been robbing from you all these decades, put it back in your hands where it always belonged, you're not going to get much attention. So we have not relied On major media. We'll take it if they want to give it, but when we go there, we tell the truth and they often regret inviting us. We are taking it to the streets. That is why we have done the first libertarian bus tour in libertarian history. We've done the first nationwide presidential tour in libertarian history because we know that we have to go around their system. We have to create our own messaging pathways. We have to create our own social media Marketing. We have to create our own, and we do a lot of local and regional media marketing as well. We have to make our own message, and you, Libertarians, us working together, have to reach out to our social networks, our uh, sphere of influence, and spread the message of liberty. This is going to be a bottom-up grassroots effort, uh, and it will continue well past this election cycle. Thank you. That, that was uh, unsolicited, by the way. Uh, uh, Nick asks Spike, what is your campaign's thoughts on eminent domain? Uh, I would like to see it go as it's theft of personal property. That's my answer. Actually, I just read, you answered your own question. No, uh, eminent domain, the only purpose of it was to, uh, to be used basically to take land for things like roads and bridges. And they shouldn't do that either. Okay? That's not a, oh, it's for the roads. That doesn't make it okay this theft is for the roads is not it's for the roads doesn't make it all right as we warned would happen it's not only used for roads donald trump used it to steal property from widows so he could build a failing casino project that he already knew was gonna lose money before he built it uh and he knew that that was okay because he'd get the money of his investors build the uh casino and then when it failed he'd go to the bankruptcy courts and unload all of his debt on those investors and shareholders and walk away with the profit. But that's a whole other subject. Eminent domain is now increasingly being used for non-government interests. Like for example, taking a property that the government decides is not being utilized correctly. In other words, they don't like how you're using your own land and then they hand it off to private developers to build mini malls or theme parks or casinos or whatever they want because it'll make more tax revenue until it fails and then now it's just an empty building and that's happened a lot recently thanks to these lockdowns that those same governments did but we have a terrible terrible decision that was made by the supreme court by both republican and democrat appointed justices called keto and that decision basically said that the government can take your property if they want to give it to someone else who can create more tax revenue from it. If that doesn't horrify you, then I'm going to say it again to you. The government has the authority now, the legal authority to steal your land if someone else can convince them that they can make more money for them off of it. That at the very least needs to end. I would argue that it needs to end for anything. Eminent domain, we need a constitutional amendment saying that eminent domain is theft and therefore the government cannot rob you. If they need your land enough for something, they can give you its fair market value and they can negotiate that with you. And if they're able to negotiate with that you with, that with you, fantastic. If they can't, they'll have to negotiate it with someone else or just not do whatever the thing was. No one has a right to steal from you, even if they give you some money for it. Let's be clear about this too. They'll say, well, but we give them their value for it. They give them the value for the little piece that they took of it. So, if you have a farm or something and or just a piece of land and they want to build a they they want to take a strip in the middle to build their road, they pay you for that little strip without factoring in what it did to the value of your property so it's theft it is theft, and it needs to end um Here is a question. Why oppose the use of force on the very rich to provide money and the means of production to the poor? It is the use of force that has taken the use uh, that has taken the money and the means of production from the poor in the first place. And if you think that there is a way to utilize that same structure to give to the poor and take from the rich, I submit to you the entirety of human history. Power is used by the powerful to consolidate power. The idea of using force to decentralize power fails every time. The reason it fails is because the very nature of power fails that idea. The very nature of centralization of power. If you are able to create a force that is powerful enough to take from even the most powerful person, they're not going to do it because predators seek the easiest targets. You. They can try to take this billion dollars from this billionaire or they can try to take ten, uh, $100 from 10 million of you and it's a lot easier for them and they just got the same amount of money. Did I do that math right? I don't think so. But they can take – yeah, no, 10, 100, yeah, yeah. So they can take that from you. They get the same amount of money. It was easier for them and they got what they wanted. Um, the means of production have been taken from the poor – because of government. And it is only by decentralizing that power and putting the power back in your hands that you can have the means of production. Perfect example. Do you know why there are more successful worker-owned co-ops? Because for most industries, the tax codes and the occupational licensing laws and the zoning laws and the various other laws that have been put in place make it either illegal or cost prohibitive to have a worker-owned co-op. They have literally mandated a employer-employee system, even if the people involved don't want it. Get rid of that stuff. You don't need force to take back the means of production. Just let the market do what it does. Take the government out of it so that if you wanna have the means of production, then go and do it. Go and do it, go and make it yourself. You wanna end this system of cronyism where you're being robbed? And the structure that allows them to take it from you in the first place. The Lord of the Rings trilogy is about the attempt of people, noble as they were, to take the ring of power and use it for good. And every single time they got it, they said, well, there are all sorts of things I could use this for. And before they know it, they are what they became. Even the ones who came to try to take it and cast it into the fire, some of them said, Oh, you know, actually, I could do a lot of really good stuff for this. The only way to deal with it is cast that ring into the fire. The only way to deal with it is to dismantle these oppressive systems. You are never going to get what you want from a violent overthrow because it's just going to lead to... It's going to be the same rules, new bosses. It's going to be new winners, new losers, but same system of winners and losers. So there we go. Uh, I have been a libertarian since 1978, voted for Ed Clark. I am 68 and receiving Social Security. We who receive Social Security now cannot change to another stupid company. And we are old. We have no idea what you were talking about. We need our Social Security every month to pay bills. That's exactly correct. That's why we wouldn't touch it. Um, let's see. Um. Someone says, I missed you in Texas, was working a lot, and didn't realize you were down here. Well, I have some good news for you. I will be in San Antonio tomorrow. I don't know where you are in Texas, but hopefully you'll be able to see me. And if not, I'm going to be back in Texas in a couple of days. Um Uh, In your opinion, how much blame should go to the Chinese Communist Party for the spread of COVID-19? In their country, 100%. In our country, whatever percent is the fact that it even existed and was able to spread in the first place. More importantly, once that virus was here, the Centers for Disease Control and the FDA did not allow medical professionals to test COVID patients for nearly two months. (laughs) They have said time and time again, over and over that the most important thing that we can do is test, 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 test as many people as possible, test them as often as we can because it spreads. It can spread asymptomatically. We need to know everyone who has it so that as soon as we know they have it, we can contain them. If they need treatment, we can treat them. We need to do contact tracing and everything else. For two months, we didn't even know who had it. We didn't know where it was. We knew that five people had it because of illegal test results that were leaked to the public. We had American companies that were making approved COVID-19 test kits and having to sell them all overseas because it was illegal for them to sell them here. That was precious time that was lost. We don't know how many hundreds of thousands of lives could be uh, could have been saved as a result of just simply allowing medical professionals to do their jobs. Government doesn't save lives and government will not protect you. It will only make it harder for the people whose job, whose life's work is to do that. And they're still doing it today. Most approved COVID-19 test kits that are approved in most other countries are still not approved here. And they're being made here and they can't be sold here. And we still have a testing shortage. So uh, in in general, if the question is how much of this is government's fault, 100% of it. Um. Someone says Trump hasn't exactly started any new wars. He's expanded all of them, including the genocide in Yemen. There is something that you often don't hear about. You hear about it in little spurts about what's happening in Yemen. And it's presented as a civil war that's going very poorly. It's a genocide. The Saudi Arabian government and Al-Qaeda are carrying out a genocide, a war against the civilian infrastructure of Yemen. It's estimated that about a million people have died, including over a quarter of a million children. And there's no real accurate way to count how many people have died because all of the civilian infrastructure there is breaking down. But many, many, many people are dying every day. Do you know why? Because the U.S. government is providing the funding and the ammunition that the Saudi government And Al-Qaeda are using against the civilian population. Now, you may have noticed that I said Al-Qaeda. That's called treason. Al-Qaeda declared war against us, and we are supposedly in a war on terrorism. If you and I decided that we were going to give one single nickel to Al-Qaeda to do anything, we'd be in jail for it for helping, aiding, and abetting a terrorist organization. Depending on how involved we were in it, we'd possibly be executed for treason. Our government is supplying tens and hundreds of millions of dollars worth of weaponry to the Saudi government and al-Qaeda so that they can carry out a genocide in Yemen. That didn't start under Trump, but he has expanded it. When Jamal Khashoggi was murdered by the Saudi government, one of the reasons he stated that he was not going to go after the Saudis for it was because of our great relationship in uh, military uh, equipment and sharing. He was talking about the Yemen genocide. Anyone who thinks Trump is anything other than a continuation and expansion of neocon warmongering needs to look at his record. Uh, Lupe, uh, uh, it says Gonzalez, but we know it's McNuggle now. Uh, Lupe says, I live near Houston among the chemical plants. Last year, we had a huge fire that exposed us all to toxic fumes and smoke for nearly a week. How do you hold them accountable? Government just lied and covered it up. Well, you, 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 bear, you, you, you started my answer there. We see what government does when it comes to the environment and pollution and damage like this. The first thing they do is create regulations that make it prohibitively expensive for small competitors to be able to do business. They can't afford the cost of uh, of demonstrating compliance with the regulations, so they go out of business. They weren't the ones doing the big pollution, but they're the ones that go out of business. It leaves only the large, polluting, crony businesses to do provide those various services. What do they do? Whatever they want, and here's why. Because when they pollute, when they uh, you know have fires, when they have leaks, when they have uh, spills, when they spill uh, countless amounts of sludge into our rivers and lakes and streams and, and groundwater, when they uh, uh, contribute to things like uh, like um, Love Canal in New York, uh, uh, which uh, rendered an entire section of New York unlivable and, and caused uh, uh, thousands of people to die of cancer. Government steps in, gives them a slap on the wrist fine couple hundred million dollars maybe a couple billion dollars they often try to cover it up and pretend it didn't happen if that doesn't work they give them a slap on the wrist fine they protect them against liability so you can't sue them you can't do anything about it and the reason that they say that is they go well if you could sue them they'd go out of business yeah yeah that's the point if you do this to people you should be sued and put out of business the next thing they do is they make you pay for the cost to cleanup you the victims of all this stuff that happened, they uh, tax you Billions of dollars to pay for the cost of cleanup. You know why? They go, Well, if they had to pay for their cleanup, they'd go out of business. Again, yes, we want this to happen. We want it to be that when anyone, because if any of us I mean, what is it they say? Five thousand dollar fine for littering. If you so much as throw a freaking Apple core out your out of your car in front of a police officer, you could spend five thousand dollars. But if you want a major, large polluting company that does countless amounts of damage to people's property, and lives, and health, and well-being, you get a slap on the wrist fine, and you get all the cost of the cleanup externalized, and you get protected by out of, uh, protected, by, uh, uh, pr- protected from lawsuits. We propose flipping all that around. Get government out of it, and allow you to be able to sue these people when these things happen, because they know if they did this, they'd lose everything, not just in the company, but personally, because they're polluting. We can prove negligence and malfeasance, which means they aren't protected as a company. They, we can go after their personal wealth too, which means they wouldn't do it because they still want to provide these goods and services to you and not go out of business and become penniless in the process. They would self-regulate, not because they're suddenly angelic beings, but because they suddenly can be held accountable for it. Those self-regulations would be far more effective than any stupid regulations coming from government. And by having them self-regulate, it solves the problem at its core, at the root of its problem, and it allows smaller competitors to go back into business because they're not having to deal with all these absurd regulations in the first place. So yet again, the answer is less government and allowing you to be empowered to protect, to protect yourself against the people that are harming you. Um, I'm getting addicted to doing this show because I'm being applauded in real time, and that's kind of – A uh, lot of shout-outs to Texas Libertarians. Oh, here's one. Jimmy uh, Eel says, Spike, I heard you met Elliot Shearman. What do you think of him? I find he articulates the libertarian idol- ideology well. I agree, Jimmy. I, I've uh, gotten to hang out with Elliot quite a bit the last couple of days. He was at my event yesterday in Conroe. Um, he spoke there. Uh, I got to have a, a lovely dinner. My wife and I had a great dinner with him and his uh, fiancee, Liz. Uh, and then we saw him again today at the uh, fundraiser here in Brenham. And I think he's great. I think he is uh, doing a fantastic job. I think that, uh, especially when you consider that his opponent, Dan Crenshaw, has raised a thousand times as much money. He's gotten $15 million from the National Republican machine. And his other competitor has also raised millions as well. He's raised tens of thousands and is still polling fairly well for that. He did a fantastic job in the in the debates. I watched that last night. Be sure to check out if you Google uh Elliot Shearman, Dan Crenshaw, uh and I forget the other woman the, the, the other person's name, uh their debate. Uh Dan ran circles around them and actually had multiple times where they were saying they agreed with where the other candidates were saying they agreed with him. Uh and uh I think he did a great job. I think he's one of the one of the future people in the party and uh and I think he's doing a great job in his run. I'm very proud to be working with him. Um uh has Dolph Ziggler endorsed Joe Jorgensen? Yeah, I believe so. I he uh did a live stream with me uh where we talked about uh we actually met in person when I was in uh Arizona. And he, uh, we did a nice live stream together and, you know, he was talking about how great our campaign was doing. So I I believe so. Um, uh, let's see what else here. Oh, someone says, where is he reading questions? I can see your questions. If you have a question, feel free to leave it in the, uh, in your comment stream. They're on discord. Um, let's see. Um, Uh, what's your thoughts on disability and SS uh, SSI uh, again that kind of goes into the social security thing we think that uh, the 6.2 percent solution protects the people who need help in general we don't believe that the best way to deal with the welfare state is to remove the social safety net we believe that the answer is to put the ladders back so that the people who are able to climb out, but can't right now because of all the stupid regulations that made it impossible for them to do so, uh, by putting those ladders back, not only they, can they climb out, but they're going to pull back and help other people out who can't climb out for themselves. We see it time and time again. When people are empowered with their own money, uh, anytime that there's been a, a tax reduction, there's also been an increase in the giving to charity. When people have the ability to take care of themselves, then very next thing they start doing is helping others around them so that they can pull themselves up as well. When we empower uh, people who are in poverty now to pull themselves out of poverty, they will pull others out as well. Um, that's long term. In the meantime, we have zero interest in, in, in taking away uh, the great Harry Brown used to say government uh, breaks a person's leg, steals their wallet, and uses some of the money to buy them a crutch. Now imagine if we show up and go, oh, you poor thing. Look at what government's done to you. We'll fix this. And we take their crutch and walk away. That didn't solve anything. We need to help them to be able to not need that crutch, get rid of those things that make them need the crutch in the first place, and we won't have to take their crutch from them. They'll walk away and happily hand the crutch off for someone else who needs it. Um, let's see what else here. I think I'm going to take, what is it? 906. Yeah, so we'll be wrapping up, and I will take one more question. Here's one. Alexander says, have you met Ricky Harrington yet? And realistically, do you think he has a chance to beat Tom Cotton in Arkansas? I have not. I'm going to meet him on the 25th. I can't freaking wait uh, to be campaigning for him and helping Ricky in his race. Uh, Yes, I do think that he, not only do I think he has a chance, I think he has the momentum and I think he's going to win it. He's been polling in the high 30s and low 40s. And he just had a debate where Tom refused to show up and so they just gave Ricky the whole hour because he qualified for the debate. And so it became a one person town hall where Ricky got to talk, give the libertarian message to the Arkansas voting public. I think he's got a real chance. I think he's going to win it personally. I think he's going to win it. I think that in the next couple of weeks uh, where Tom Cotton is an incredibly unpopular incumbent, I think Ricky Harrington is going to send an incredible message to voters in Arkansas, voters who are uh, progressives who don't have a Democrat to vote for in this race and who just want to vote against the Republican. Voters who are Republicans who want smaller, more limited government and know that Tom Cotton is not going to deliver that for him. And people who don't typically vote because they don't like the Democrats or the Republicans. And they see someone who has a viable chance of winning uh, to be able to win it. I I think he's going to win it and I can't wait to meet him. Um, Thank you, thank you. And... Yeah, so I think with that, we're going to wrap up the show. Uh, Thank you again for tuning in for this special episode of My Fellow Americans. And uh, I will be, like I said, it is best. I don't even know what my schedule is anymore. I get told the morning of what I'm doing that day. And then, or actually the evening before I'm told what I'm doing the next day. So then I go to bed, and wake up and do all that stuff. Uh, So uh, the best way to figure it, to look at my schedule is to go to my Facebook page uh, or to go to joe20.com. Uh, And in both of those, if you go to the event section, all of my events are listed out. Stay tuned because new events get added pretty much almost every day. Uh, but I'm going to have a pretty full date card between now and Election Day, uh, and and probably even after that. Uh, working with the Libertarian Party to start the, uh, the 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 take the momentum from this election and move it forward into the off years and into the midterms and the next presidential election as well. Uh, working very hard to get Joe reelected, and uh, so uh, be, be but be sure to check out my my schedule. And uh, if I'm coming anywhere near you, uh, please come out. I'd love to meet you. I make a point of meeting everyone that comes out talking at least for a few seconds with them. And I always do Q&A to answer questions. My, my most important thing in this is to give people a chance to answer, to ask their, their questions and their concerns and so that I can address it and show them what this campaign, what this party and what this movement are, are, are standing for. So I ask you, for, uh, I, I ask you to, to follow me there and I thank you for that. Uh, stay tuned Next uh, later this week. We will be having a, uh, the next episode of the Muddy Waters of Freedom. I'm not sure which day yet. I think Thursday, but I'm not sure yet. Uh, but stay tuned for that, and we will be doing another episode of The Muddy Waters of Freedom. And, of course, stay tuned uh, probably within the next week or so for another amazing episode right here. Of Actually, not right here. I won't be in Burnham, But right here on the Internet uh, where I'll be doing an episode of, uh, of My Fellow Americans. And I didn't rehearse this, but you're all going to get to say you are the power in a moment. Uh, so, folks, thanks again for tuning in. I'm Spike Cohen, and you are the power. God bless, guys. Thank you.
2: My skin with my friends. In reality, you are my kin. Though I view the world to another's iris If you slide in my kicks, it might fit. We might just unite and come together, become hybrid. At the least, slightly like-minded. Indeed, the life I've lived brings light to kindness. All you need is a sign, put a cease to the Crimes, put it ease to the minds like mine. Sometimes darkness is all I find. You know what they say about an eye for an eye, in a time with the blind. The blind. Who am I to deny? I would cry when a loved one dies. I recognize that body outside, with the holes in the body that was alive. Now we find them with chalk outline. Find out how, but you never know why. It ain't even make it to the news at nine. It ain't even make it to the news at nine. That's my sister, mother, father, brother, son. That's one of mine. All these years, I close my eyes, open up to only find I'm in line. There's a pointless murder i all the time Need to lose your life or mine Caught up in the first time That ain't how it started now I will be supposed to survive There's a war going on outside Who would want to raise a child When the tomb is flashing by Now you have to say goodbye When you watch them on the news at 5 Don't tell me how, tell me why